Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray you would teach us. Thank you for your word uh, that you breathed out by your spirit. Help us to be ready to listen to your word and to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I say, it is great to be uh, with you this morning and great that Anil is over at Emmanuel and that we're able to collaborate together on this series where we're thinking about unrestricted church. What does it mean to be a church coming out of lockdown, having had all the restrictions that we've had with them lifting? It's worth asking, what are we as a church and what are we to do? Uh, Last week, Anil uh, preached on why not just have online services. He was thinking about what we do when we come together. Uh, And he said, uh, you you need to devote yourselves. We need to devote ourselves to God's Word, to fellowship with one another, to breaking bread and prayer. And really, you need to do that by coming together. Well, this morning, we're going to think about Why not be an online church, which may sound similar, but what we're thinking about is, what is the church? What is the church, actually? Not just what do we do when we come together, but what are we? And I want you to think, the nature of what the church is, does that suggest that actually online church is a contradiction? I want you to think about that. Is online church a contradiction just by the nature of what church is? It's a bit like some of you will have seen the film Frozen. Hands up if you've seen the film Frozen. Those who've had little children. Yeah, okay, you've seen it. Uh, Some of you have seen it. In the film, don't worry, you don't need a detailed knowledge of it. Um, In the film, there's a character called Olaf who is a snowman. And Olaf has a dream. He has something he wants to do. What's something he wants to experience? What does he want to experience? You shouldn't shout out. He wants to experience summer. He wants to experience heat. Now, we know as we're watching the film that this is ridiculous. Snowmen and summer just don't go together. What about online and church? Do they go together? Or does the nature of what church is mean that actually that's a contradiction? Well, we're going to think about this by thinking about three images Three images that the New Testament uses to describe the church. Uh, we, uh, we're not just going to stay in that one passage in Ephesians, uh, but we will look at other passages as well. Now, those three images, two and a half of them are in that passage, um, and I'll show you as we go through where they are. Now, the first image that we're going to think about is... Is it going to work? No, Emma, I'm going to ask you, would you move us on? Thank you. The first image is family. So the first image that the New Testament uses to describe the church is that we are family. And already today in the service, Emmanuel welcomed you by saying, welcome to church, family. Uh, and, And other times, family has been used. And that is the right term to use. We are a family. Now, this image is slightly different from the other two images in that this one isn't really a metaphor or a simile. It's not the New Testament doesn't say we're like a family. It really says we are a family. That is what we are. Now, where do you get that in the Bible? Where do you get that in in the New Testament? Well, um, this is the half image in the passage because in Ephesians 2 verse 19, it says that we are members of God's household which is a kind of family image, household image. 
But you get this throughout the New Testament, don't you? So um, how do you come into this family? You come into it through faith in Jesus. So in John's Gospel, beginning of John's Gospel, John chapter 1, it says in verse 12, yet to all who received him, that's Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. Now, notice there, will you, um, that to come into this family, you, need, you do need to believe in Jesus. It's not that everyone in the world is in this family. Now, sometimes you hear people say, everyone is a child of God. Now, you need to think, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by saying everyone is a child of God? Yes, all are created by God, and God loves all he has made. But actually, to come into the family, to call God your Father, you need Jesus. And you'll see as we go through that in all three images, Jesus is central. We are not all naturally in this family. We need to come to Jesus to believe in him, to come into the family. If we think everyone is a child of God, we actually cheapen what Jesus did for us. Because we need Jesus to come to this world. We needed him to come and die for us. And we need to put our trust in him that we could be forgiven, that we can come into God's family and call God our Father. But it is a privilege that we have that we can call God our Father if we're trusting in Jesus. So we come into this family through trust in Jesus. But when you come into that relationship with God, that father-child relationship with God, uh, you don't come in, as it were, just solo, just you and God. It's not like there are screens between you and everyone else, and it's just you and God. You come into a family. You're straight into it, the family that God has made, because we are brothers and sisters together. And that is how the New Testament writers often address the church. So if you're in Ephesians, uh, if you can turn over the page or scroll or wherever you, whatever you're doing, um, to chapter 6, verse 23, it says, peace to the brothers and sisters. He's talking about the Christians that he's writing to. They are brothers and sisters. And that is consistent throughout the New Testament. There's no one passage necessarily that you point to to say, here's the description of the family. It's just assumed throughout that, the, that Christians relate to one another as brothers and sisters. And in the book of Timothy, um, uh, Paul writing to Timothy, a church leader, he says to him, how are you to deal with the church family? He says, you're to treat older men as fathers, younger men as brothers, older women as sisters, younger women, uh, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. In other words, you are family. That is how you're to treat one another. As Sister Sledge once said, we are family. I've got all my sisters with me. Okay, it doesn't work so well when I say it. I've also got brothers here as well. But we're family together. We need to get that into our heads as, as the way that we're to think of one another. Now, we also need to recognize this is what God has made us to be. A church is a family made by God. It is not something we aspire to or something that we try to make happen. Now, that is important for an application for how we're to live this out. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a leader of a church in Germany during the Second World War, opposed the Nazi regime. He was a Lutheran pastor, and he wrote a book called Life Together. It's a great book. And in it, he says there is something that will kill church community. What is it that will kill 
church community. He says, it is our wish dreams of what we would like community to be. So he says this, um, Emma, if you could move it on. Okay, up on the screen, if you can see it, I'll read it out, but I'll then explain it. Uh, So it says, this is what he says, every human wish dream that is injected into the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community and must be banished if genuine community is to survive. He who loves his dream of community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. Okay, what's he saying there? He is saying, if you have wish dreams about Christian community, you need to kill them. They will kill community. What are wish dreams? Have you ever thought to yourself, if we were really a church family, we would be behaving like this. If we were really a church family, people would be more concerned for me. People would live in a particular way towards me. We would be more in each other's lives. We would, we would do this, we would do that. If we were really church family. And he's saying, that is a wish dream. And you need to get rid of it because that will destroy community. Why? Why will that destroy community? Because, he says, if you have those wish dreams, you've created a kind of fantasy in your mind of what family would be like. And therefore, you will approach the real family with a critical spirit criticism will just come to your mind because you'll be thinking, well, this is the ideal, but we're not like this. And you will accuse almost the church family that you have in your mind, and maybe even before God, blaming the church for not being what you want the church to be. So we will be critical. It's very easily done, isn't it? I think we all struggle with this because we all come to church thinking, well, I know it says we're a family, but I I think if we were really a family, it would be like this. We've got to be careful because the other thing that does is it means that we would be relating to one another. You'd be relating to one another as a church family, not on the basis of what Christ has done for you and, and what he has made you to be, a family, but on the basis of one another's behavior. And whether you're a church family depends on how you would react to one another, how you behave. And it shouldn't. It's say, he's saying it's got to be based on what Christ has done. Therefore, we've got to get rid of those criticisms of church family, criticisms of one another. And instead of being demanders, he says, we should be grateful recipients of church family. So one little application for you after the service. Go through your church family list, if you've got a family list, or think of those uh, maybe in your small group or other, other people, and give thanks to God for them, that you are family. It's not something you aspire to, it's what you are. Now, how does that relate to online church? Simply in this way. I know of no family who have decided, you know what, I think we relate better online. We relate like better on Zoom or something like that. We're just more close, more intimate online. No family has said that. We're longing to get back to be with family in person, aren't we? And if that's true with, uh, with our families, that's got to be true with our church family as well. We're family, 
and therefore we want to be together. So I want to suggest online church doesn't go together. Now, of course, there are some who can't come back at the moment, and uh, I know Anil said this last week. Some can't come back, some feel it's not safe yet, or some are uh, struggling, uh, and, and maybe it's just not quite the right time for you yet if you're at home. If you're in the building, clearly you're, obviously, you're here already. But you still need to be thinking, what are we? We're family. So, first image, we're family. Second image, thanks, if you move us on. Uh, a body, a body. That is the second image that we're going to think about. That is in the passage, very definitely. Um, So if you have a look, if you've got your Bible open in front of you, uh, verse 14 of chapter 2. Let me read on from there. It says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity, out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Now, Paul here is using a different image. He is saying um, it's like there were two groups of people. Now, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles. If you go back in the letter, you will read about that. Uh, the, The Jews and the Gentiles were separated from one another, but Paul is saying through Christ, through Christ's death, the two were brought together to be one new humanity, and he says one body. And that is a dominant image through the New Testament of how the church is described, that the church is a body. He develops it a little bit later on. So if you go to, if you look at uh, verses 14, verse 14 of chapter 4, He says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So, the image there is of a body, again, dependent on Christ, isn't it? Because Christ is the head, uh, and you need a head, Um, and Christ is that head, and so we join to him, we depend on Christ, but it also says about how a church is to relate to one another, because it says um, it is to build itself up as each part does its work. So everyone is to be involved within the church in building one another up. It's the kind of bodybuilder at the gym. I don't know why I'm flexing my muscles like that. No one's going to be impressed. But it's that kind of image of being at the gym that the body is building itself up. And he's saying that happens as you, as everyone within a church family does its part, does its work. How does that happen? If you've got a Bible in front of you, if you could turn to 1 Corinthians 12, uh, there are some, Paul develops this much further uh, in 1 Corinthians 12. I'd encourage you to have a read of it later on. Um, Paul uses the body imagery and he, he sort of says, look, you're all bits of the body, parts of the body, and therefore this is how you should relate to one another. Now, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but if you just look um, at verse 15, he says, now if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. So that's saying, look, if you're a part of the body, if you're a a member of a church and you're saying, um, well, because I'm not that person, I'm not really part of the body, he's saying that doesn't work. 
He's saying, you can't say other people don't need you. You cannot say that. You're just a different part of the body. And Paul is saying, look, it's not just a good thing that there are different parts of the body. He's saying it's essential. You need all the different parts of the body, and therefore you can't say, you guys don't need me. But you also can't have, verse 21, he develops it further. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say um, to the feet, I don't need you. So he's saying, um, nor can you say to other people, I don't need you, I'm all right on my own. No, 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 that's like having a foot on its own. I mean, it's a bit macabre, isn't it? Not very nice. He says, no, 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 you can't, can't do that. You need one another. You need to be building one another up. We're a body. But online church plays against that, doesn't it? I don't know how you found When you've been at home watching services, it is much more easy to think I'm not really needed here, am I? I, I'm not really needed. What difference does it make whether I'm actually watching this service or not? In some situations, I don't think it's in yours, the only difference is a number on a screen. And therefore, it just plays into this sort of thinking that we could have that they don't need me, and maybe I don't need them. And it becomes a kind of customer relationship with the church, a consumer relationship, you're, you're a viewer, you're a watcher of what's going on. And actually, therefore, I think online church, it just doesn't work with the bodybuilding kind of image. Now, I want to challenge you. Uh, obviously, some here, you've come back to the building, some watching online, not yet ready to come back. Now, I want you just to think, what was it for those in the building, or what will it be for those at home? What would actually get you thinking, yet yeah, now is the time to come back? Or what made you think, yeah, now's the time to come back? What was your thinking? Maybe some are saying, when we can sing together, then I'll, I'll try and come back. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe we were at maximum capacity, maybe more people tried to come back, I don't know. But what, was that, what is that thing? What will be that thing? And is that thing actually something about me being a consumer? Is it actually me-focused? We need to change our thinking, don't we? And to think, actually, when I'm thinking about church, I've got to be thinking body. I've got to be thinking, I need to go and build up others. And therefore, actually, the thing should be, when can I go back to build up others? How can I do that best? That should be the thing that should determine when we, when we can come back, isn't it? And we do need that. You need to be in person to build one up one another. Because when you're at home, you just won't spot if someone is struggling. If there's a part of the body that is at that moment weak. A few weeks ago at Emmanuel, someone in the building was clearly struggling. And afterwards, two people at a distance outside were able to speak to that person and encourage them. That would not have happened online. You're not going to spot one another and other people are struggling. I'm not saying you can't do any building up online. Of course you can do some. But you're just not, it, it's just not going to work as well, is it? Uh, it'd be like trying to go to the gym without all your body parts. It just doesn't work. You need to come together. So I think online, church, I'm not convinced it, it works together. I, don't, I think it might be a contradiction. Last image. 
Thank you, Emma. A building. A building. Now, you know, don't you, that the church is not the building. Uh, the church is not this building. Um, this is not the church. The people are the church. But the people are described as being a building, aren't they? And that was in the passage. Again, Ephesians 2. Uh, so if you've turned another page, do turn back to Ephesians 2. Uh, and verses 19 to 22, which says, consequently, you, oh, by the way, Paul just slips into the imagery without any warning, so see if you spot when he does. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So you see, he just sort of slips into it, into that imagery. Uh, and you see again that Jesus is at the center. He's at, he is the cornerstone. Everything depends on Jesus. Uh, it's not that church family life is sort of independent of Jesus. No, no, no. He, we depend on him for our family life. He is the cornerstone of the building. Now, uh, it's not just any old building. So my temptation, or maybe yours, when you think, oh yes, the, the church, the people are a building, is you still sort of think of this building. But that's not the building that Paul had in mind, is it? What building did Paul have in mind? Did you notice? He says, verse 21, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. A holy temple. It is that building that the church is. Now, why is that significant? Just think about that in terms of Paul, a Jew, saying the church people being built together as a temple. I mean, the, the temple for Jews was center of their religious life. It represented God's presence amongst his people. In Jerusalem was the temple, and it represented that. And yet, in the New Testament, Jesus says, um, you know, the temple is going to be destroyed. It's going to be made redundant. You're not going to need it anymore. Why not? Well, there are several things that are described as being the temple. Jesus describes himself as the temple. In other words, you want to meet with God, you want to know God, come to Jesus. But also, you as individual Christians, if you're trusting in Jesus, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You get that in 1 Corinthians. Paul says our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. God lives in us by his Spirit. But also here, Paul is saying the church is being built together as a temple in which God lives, in which God dwells, verse 22, by his Spirit. Now, that does mean, of course, you can meet with God wherever you are. You can be at home, reading your Bible, praying, you meet with God. It is a genuine encounter with the, the Lord God. But there is something significant Paul is saying about when you gather together. Why do you come together? Well, isn't it to meet with God? Yes, you can meet God on your own at home. But actually, there's something significant about coming together. Not because of the building. He doesn't dwell in the building, but in the people. And therefore, what's it going to look like for God to dwell amongst a church? He does. What does it look like? How's it going to play out? Well, you don't know, week by week. Isn't that part of the excitement of coming to church? You don't know how the Lord is going to work amongst us. But certainly, as you go through the rest of Ephesians, you see, it's going to be as God's people use the gifts they've been given. 
as the word is preached, as conversations are had, as, you know, in all sorts of different ways, as people use the gifts God's given to them to build one another up, that is God working amongst his people, but also in godly relationships, and you see that later in Ephesians as well. There are a whole load of ways God works, and therefore, you want to be expectant, don't you, as you come to gather with God's people to go, what is God going to do amongst us today? And as you leave, say, what did God do amongst us? He does every time. It's not just whether you feel like he does. He does every time. And so you want to come away going, what did God do amongst us today? Okay, so we've seen these three images. Uh, last slide, thank you. A family, a body, a building. All depend on Christ. And I want to suggest to you, I, I think it certainly leads us in the direction of saying online church doesn't really go together. It's kind of, kind of a contradiction. Snowman in summer, that kind of thing. And none of them can be lived out properly. Certainly none of them can be lived out properly online. Now for some, I think online services are going to be a great blessing. For some who are housebound maybe, some who wouldn't be able to come together, it is going to be a great blessing. But I would hope that even those people would be longing to be with God's people. I'm reminded of a delightful saint in Brighton at the church I worked at when I was curate. Uh, elderly lady, housebound, but one time she, they managed to get her to church. It was a carol service. She was wheeled in. It was hard to get her there. And she just looked at and she said, all this and heaven too. And it was wonderful. And actually, that's some of the delight that we should have, saying actually we can come together. Now, maybe you don't feel it, it, the time is right yet. I want to ask you, when will be the right time? so that you can come together, to be family together, which is what you are, to build one another up, and to be joined together as a temple in which God dwells by his Spirit. I'm going to pray for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for what the church is. Thank you for what you have made it to be. Through Christ, through the death of your Son, that you have brought those who trust in Christ into a family. And thank you, that is what we are. And therefore, I pray for Christ Church, Father, that uh, the members of Christ Church would relate as what they are, as family. That they would rejoice in it, celebrate it, receive it with gladness and thanksgiving. Father, that Christ Church would build one another up as each part does its work, and that they would rejoice to be joined together as a temple in which you dwell by your spirit. Therefore, Father, please bless this church family, the Emmanuel church family. Father, please would you bless us. Amen.